Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. We have a big show for you today. I'm going to talk some NFL football and uh, a number of storylines that came out of Week 12. We're going to break down the Jake Paul-Nate uh, Robinson fight with uh, his guest, Michael Young, who's going to come on. And, of course, the Mike Tyson-Roy Junes Jr. fight. So uh, stay tuned. We have a good show for you. I'm going solo today, uh, except for when we bring in uh, our boxing guest, Michael Young, later. So let me start the show with this. I took a little road trip down to Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, Three-hour drive to go watch the Colts-Titans. It's battle for the AFC South. Uh, a very crucial matchup for both teams. The Titans uh, won. They would have an 80 two percent chance uh of winning the division and if the colts were to win this game they would have a 77 percent chance to win the division so playoff implications on the line this game pulled a lot of weight and quite frankly the titans ran roughshod over them and what i saw uh from derrick henry was one of the most impressive performances i have seen in person on a football field it was truly uh, incredible to watch what he did to a very good Colts defense. And I know they were missing DeForest Buckner, but the way he dictated that game, it's almost like an NBA player. He, he just took over. And I mean, the NBA, it's a lot either, oh, easier to take over a game because it's five on five, where football is 11 on 11. And it got me thinking, how come Derrick Henry is not in the MVP conversation? Not only should he be in the conversation, he should be a front runner for this award. And now, the guy who's probably the front runner right now is Patrick Mahomes. And he had another historic day this week, too, against a Buccaneers defense, who's also pretty good. Uh, Mahomes had a QBR of uh, 124.3. He had, or excuse me, uh, 135.4. He had QBR of 135.4. It's one of the highest in NFL history. Two for three touchdowns, 462 Yard. So, very impressive performance against a good Bucks defense. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry, uh, he had over 100 yards at halftime. He ended up with 178 yards on 27 carries, averaged 6.6 yards a carry, and had three touchdowns. So, both of them dominated the game. So, these two, in my opinion, are the front runners. But let me tell you why I would give Derrick Henry the edge. There is no one in the NFL that is more important to their team. If you're talking strictly value, not the best player, because Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. You're talking strictly value. Derrick Henry provides more to the Titans than any player does for any team in football. If you took Derrick Henry off the Titans, where would they be? Derrick Henry basically ran them into the playoffs last year. They were one win away from the Super Bowl, and they almost did beat the Chiefs in that game, in part thanks to Derrick Henry. Their defense is middle of the pack. They have a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, who has played very well, but a lot of pressure has been taken off because of their run game. He was not this good in Miami. We didn't know what to think of him, and now he comes to the Titans, and all of a sudden he's looking like a franchise quarterback. Counting on it, Derrick Henry. Uh, the receiving core is very good. Uh, it's tough to tackle uh, <laughs> A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry in the same game, but what Henry is doing for this team, he leads the league in rushing yards, 1,257 first he leads the league in rushing attempts 256 that's first rushing yards per game 114.3 also first and rushing touchdowns he is second in the league with 12 so he carries the workload on offense with an average defense you need a good run game especially late in the year these important games 
But after Thanksgiving, all of a sudden, it starts turning the corner around the playoffs. It gets cold. You can't throw the ball. You need to lean on a run game. Derrick Henley has it. You saw in this game, the, the Titans got a lead, and they could play with the lead. They got up in that first half. They just kept feeding Henry. Burn clock. Take time off. Derrick Henry's X-Factor. He keeps the defense off the field. He's putting up points. And, oh, by the way, he's starting to become a better pass catcher, too. Mike Brable even said this week he's trying to get in the ball more. The Titans play a physical brand of football, and there's no one more physical. Like, there's no running back that is the, the power, the speed, the ability to control a game. And he did this last week against Baltimore. You tell me they would have win that game without him? The whole game, Derrick Henry wore that defense down, wore him down. I kept feeding the ball, a little jab here, punch here, and finally he came in with the big haymaker in overtime, and he scores the winning touchdown. He did this earlier in the season as well against uh, Texas. Had a long run and was scoring the winning touchdown in overtime. He's been phenomenal. He's he's done more with less than anyone on the on the team. If you took him off, the Titans would not be where they are. He is, and he's making a case right now. He's on a stretch where he might not only one of the best running backs of this era. He's putting up like historic, like all time great numbers. If you look at these past couple seasons, now from the flip side, you look at Patrick Mahomes. And don't get me wrong, he's been excellent. This is not a knock on Patrick Mahomes. That drive he put together to win the game against the Raiders, that's said last week, that was a clinic. But look at the situation he was in, and he got drafted into. He's Andy Reid, excellent play caller. He's got the best arsenal of weapons in football. Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield, there's, not, there's probably not a better running back duo. I mean, maybe Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but that's pretty darn good. He's got that as the running back. The solid offensive line. You got the best tight end in football, in my opinion, Travis Kelsey. You got Tyreek Hill, the fastest guy in football. You have Sammy Watkins as your number two receiver. He was the number one guy in Buffalo, and he's kind of lost in his offense with all the speed and weapons they have. And oh, by the way, their defense is much improved too. So you take him off the team, and let's see what the Chiefs have done. They had Matt Moore last year. Patrick Mahomes got hurt for three games. Matt Moore played phenomenal. And all three of his games put up big numbers. Didn't miss, Chiefs didn't miss a beat. They were winning games. Then you look at before he was even drafted, Alex Smith. Chiefs made the playoffs. They have one of the best offenses in football. I'm mean, sure he couldn't. Patrick Mahomes is the next guy to get him over the top. But the Chiefs are still a very good football team, even without Patrick Mahomes. You take Derrick Henry off the Titans, probably not as good a football team. Because like I said, it's a middle pack of defense. Especially in these playoff games, when you have to rely on the ground, no one's going to be more influential Late in game, throughout the games, than Derrick Henry. Titans can play with a lead. Titans can play coming from behind. And Derrick Henry is a big reason because of it. He's the, He embodies them. The bike variable talks about this physical brand of football. Derrick Henry should be the MVP this season. No doubt in my mind. He's been the best player in football this year. Uh, the way with his performance. Most valuable, no doubt. No one brings more to a team than Derrick Henry. And like I said, this is again, there's no scrub either. Baltimore's a pretty good defense still. The Colts, a good defense. I know they're missing DeForest Buckner, like I said, but... I mean, there's a reason they're number two defensive football. They got layers of good players. Ran rough shot through them. So, I mean, that's all you need to know. Now, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and his good situation. Let's talk about a quarterback who is not in a very good situation. And uh, Carson Wentz, he kind of put up a dud the other night. And I know I've, uh, I kind of gave up on Carson Wentz, but I'm going to, I'm going to defend him once again. I'm kind of crawling back to my axe, if you will. Uh, let me say this for Carson Wentz. Look at the circumstances that he has been in these past couple of years. They haven't been great. Like, yeah, I know. His passing accuracy isn't good. But that offensive line they have is horrible. He's missing Jason Peters up front. 
producing one of their first-round picks from the year before they drafted. He's really good. He's got no offensive line. If you watch that Seattle game, there was a Seattle defender in his face every two seconds. He, he, could, not, he could not move the ball. Alshon Jeffrey, his number one receiver, is shot. He stinks. Travis Fulgrom, solid player. He can't get any separation. His number one tight end, Zach Ertz. Hurt. Miles Sanders been in and out all year. His defense can't really make a stop. And oh, by the way, he has a statue of his backup quarterback outside the stadium. When he was in an MVP year, that should have been his statue out there. And then he gets hurt. His backup comes in, takes all the credit. They love Nick Foles in the city of Philadelphia more than life Carson Wentz. Then this year in the draft, after, by the way, he threw 27 touchdown passes and seven interceptions and willed a horrible Eagles team to the playoffs last season, then they go draft Jalen Hurts. So now he's got to deal with another backup quarterback. And they're asking him questions each week. Oh, boy, Jalen Hurts. Are you Jalen Hurts going to come in? Do you think he's going to play? He's got to listen to that. I mean, mentally, that's going to take a toll on you. And plus, he also has the pressure. He got paid pretty young, a good amount of money. And I think it was a well-deserved contract because young quarterback, big arm, playmaker. I mean, it was a smart decision by Howie Rosen to sign him to that deal. And now he's got the pressure of that, so everyone's looking at him like, oh, you're getting paid all this money. Why aren't you performing? I mean, look at the circumstances he's in. Look at the circumstances. You flipped him with Patrick Mahomes right now, he could be putting up the same numbers. He wouldn't be as good. I'm not saying he's as good as Patrick Mahomes, but if you give him a good situation, then yeah, he'll, he'll thrive. I mean, just look at the MVP season he was going to put up. He's having an MVP caliber year. Frank Reich, lots of offensive weapons, solid offensive line, good run game. You put him in a good situation, he's going to succeed. It's all about situation. He is in a horrible situation right now, so don't judge him too harshly. This isn't who Carson Wentz is. This is, this is an outlier. Brett Favre threw plenty of interceptions. He had a couple bad years. Peyton Manning had a couple horrible years. There was a point in uh, Eli Manning's Super Bowl season that he had more interceptions than touchdowns. People wanted to run him out of town. What did he know? He won the Super Bowl that year. So, you Eagles fans, you can run him out of town all you want. That, that's stupid. He's one of the best quarterbacks you guys have ever had in that city, and you want to run him out of town. So, I, that, that's, that's what I got to say about that. Another quarterback topic, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I still don't think he's good, but going back to the argument last time, uh, he just keeps continuing to prove my case. The Browns go to 4-1 and one without Odell Beckham Jr. And oh, by the way, the only knock that they had on Baker, Marshall had on Baker last week, oh, he was not throwing touchdown passes. He's not throwing touchdown passes. Uh, well, uh, he had two last week. He looked pretty good doing it. And they're relying on the run game. That's their formula to success. They rely on the run. Uh, so I, I like the way these Browns teams are heading. I think they 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 have a big game against Tennessee. That's going to be a fun one to watch this week. Two similar styles. They both rely on the run. Uh, so I like it. The difference between those two teams, though, I think Ryan Tannehill is actually a competent quarterback back there where Baker Mayfield isn't. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has the most comeback uh, fourth-quarter comeback drives in the NFL. He leads the league, I think, with eight. So that's a, that's a scary team right there. Uh, literally some of the other games uh, from this week, um, just going over kind of the like, storylines here. Patriots pulled off an upset. They're staying alive. Rams 49ers. I still like the Rams on sell your stock. The 49ers are a very physical football team up front. Made Jared Goff a little uncomfortable. Broncos Saints. This is actually another interesting one I wanted to get into. Uh, Broncos play that game without a quarterback. And meanwhile, we have the Ravens and Steelers. That's their games getting rescheduled all the way. They're supposed to play later this afternoon when we're shooting this on Wednesday. Um, they they got they got a raw end of the deal. I think if they were a playoff team or had more influence, John Elway doesn't have any influence in this league. And I think that's why they got hosed. Uh, I think the NFL was trying to send a message to them because they just sent out this stricter protocol on wearing the masks. None of the quarterbacks in the uh, QB room 
were wearing a mask. So the NFL is like, hey, we gave you the protocol. You should have been smart about it. You know, you have to pay the consequences. But if this was a uh, playoff caliber team and this game had a little bit more weight, then there's no way it would have played. If it was the Cowboys, even Jerry Jones, no way this game is getting played. They, they would have rescheduled it. But uh, they considered it contained. And it wasn't considered an outbreak. So that's the other thing that's kind of bogus for them. The Broncos contained the outbreak. The Ravens and Steelers are getting reworked around because they couldn't contain it. And it's running rampant throughout it. So the Broncos kind of got hosed here. Not that it matters. I think they would have lost this game anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I give I give Kendall Hilton a lot of credit. That's a tough situation. And that just goes to show you how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL. It's hard. And the guy played quarterback in college, completed one pass for nine yards. So you can't fault them for that. They were put in a no-win situation there. Um, Taysom Hill, though, and the Saints keep winning. I think you got to give Sean Payton. You might have to give him coach of the year. I think with what he's done, with kind of a backup quarterback whisper. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater comes in, don't miss a beat. They haven't lost the game. Taysom Hill comes in, don't miss a beat, have yet to lose a game. Finally, uh... You know, there are a lot of duds this week. I mean, the Raiders, I, the Falcons. The Falcons are a money pit. Every time we bet for or against them, we seem to lose that game. Um, the only other big one, I mean, the other resounding blowout from this was the Bears-Packers. That was disgusting to watch. Bears season's over. I think they've given up in the locker room. You look at Olshan Jeffrey, or not Olshan Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, uh, Anthony Miller, and Javon Williams, they've been very active on Twitter, liking tweets from fans saying to come to their teams, especially Allen Robinson. If you look at his likes, it's a bunch of fans that kind of slid up there like, hey, come play for the Pats, bro. We love you in uh, Arizona. He's liking all of them. I think they are fed up with Matt Nagy. His axe worn thin. He's starting to lose a locker room. And that was the one thing he had going for him. The guys played hard for him, but they, they that defense looked like they quit last night or that Sunday night against the Packers. The, that was just a disgusting performance. Uh, I know the Packers won 41-25. I'm still not buying them. I think what you saw against the Colts is all you need to know. They play a physical team like that, and they get pushed around. So once you get to the cream of the crop, uh, I think a Rams, who is a really physical team, they 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 already got steamrolled by the Bucks. Their Packers are all finesse once it gets to the playoffs. That's why I do not like them. Uh, we'll go to the teams. here. Here's who I really like from each, each conference. The teams I think legit Super Bowl contenders. We'll start with the Titans. I'm really high on them. I know we talked a lot about them. I uh, might be a little biased because I watched them play this week. I really like the team. They're starting to round into form. Derrick Henry gets better as the season goes on late, just like he usually does late in games. Uh, they're playing with some swagger. Their big thing is they go on the logo before the game, and they kind of like mark their territory. They did it last week against the Ravens. Uh, John Harbaugh wasn't too happy about it. I was watching for it this weekend. Sure enough, uh, first thing they did was they went on the Colts logo to meet up and uh, I like their physical style of play. I think it translates well. I think this team is a legit Super Bowl contender. Obviously, you gotta like the Chiefs. I think that's the front runner. But Patrick Mahomes is playing; no one's gonna stop. It doesn't matter the weather; uh, he's gonna put up numbers. So that'll be. I think you might see a rematch there in the AFC title game. Steelers, I do not buy as much. I would have them as my. Uh, I, I, so I'd go. I like the the Chiefs number one. That's my favorite team right now in the AFC. Uh, I got uh, Titans right now too. I like the Steelers coming in at three, but I don't like them as much. I think there's more of a gap there. Big Ben has just been all right this year, and I think they play down to their competition a little too much, so I'm kind of hesitant on them. But those are the three legit contenders that I like. I also like the Bills. I think the Bills are kind of similar uh, to the Titans, where they're a physical team. 
They play good defense. They're well coached. They played really well off the bye, which shows they're well coached. I'm talking about Denver. So those are four teams that I, I I think are legit contenders right there. NFC it gets a little bit more muddled because they're all kind of it's not as good. I like the Rams a lot just because the Wildlands, again, physicality. When Jared Goff's comfortable, they win games. So I still am buying into them. Saints, obviously, they have a phenomenal defense. Taysom Hill has been working his magic, and he can run the ball as well. The passing needs to get ironed out a little bit, but I still do like the Saints a lot. So there's two teams. Uh, Seahawks uh, will probably come in third for me. Um, what I like about the Seahawks, is I think the pass rush is starting to get fixed. And what do you know, these past couple games has kind of masked a lot of the flaws in their secondary because quarterbacks don't have as much time to throw. Carlos Dunlap has been a godsend for them. So the Seahawks is another good team uh, to watch out for. I'm selling my Raiders stock. I think they've just showed their frauds. The Browns are also 8-3. and three. I don't really buy them either because they've had one of the easiest schedules in football. And, uh, you know, they haven't really done a whole lot with it. Um... We have a guest joining us this week, Michael Young. You may have heard him on here before. He was Marshall's former roommate, and now, according allegedly, a fight expert. We're here to break down the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight. Uh, before we get into that one, what'd you think of that Jake Paul fight? <laughs> I mean, so I, I bought pay per view and I was watching it with my dad, and trying to explain who Jake Paul was just in general, you know, was was tough for my dad. But watching that fight, you know, I, I was really waiting for him to get pummeled. And, you know, Nate Robinson was charging at him pretty much the whole time. And then Jake was hugging a lot. But when he, like, he knocked him down three times. And then the last time he just, like, you know, everybody saw him just, like, flop on the ground. And that was insane. I did not <laughs> think that he had it in him at all. That looked like a cartoon knockout. Like, the oh, way yeah. he hit the No, it was, like, <laughs> it was so cool. And I, I rewatched it, and... So it was the start of the second round. He comes at him, and Jake punches him a couple times, and then he falls. But he was knocked out after that first punch. In, like, the second and third punch, then he fell down. But I think it's absolutely insane. Because the other thing, too, is with that whole night, that's what people are talking about, not the, the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight. There is some good – like, overall, it was a really good card. I'll be honest, like, coming into the week, like, Jake Paul is one of those guys – I knew who he was, but mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you any videos or anything he did. So initially I heard, oh, it's some YouTuber fighting Nate Robinson. I'm like, oh, Nate Robinson is going to pummel. This is going to be great. Well, he sucks. They, yeah. yeah. Well, then they had a bunch of these, like, it, it sounds weird, but they had, like, their, like, a documentary, I guess, and, like, Snapchat where they're showing him, like, training. He looked like Jake Paul training. He was taking that shit seriously. Or Nate Robinson, it kind of felt like he was going through the motions. Like, Jake Paul is a pretty good fighter. Like, he had some, uh, technical, technically speaking, like, the way, because Robinson had all the speed on him, so he's just kind of, like, bum-rushing him. And Paul was really patient. He waited to pick his spots, and then uh, he exploited that strategy really quickly. So I was actually kind of impressed. I think, like, yeah, is he going to beat a Conor McGregor? No, but if he keeps at it, I yeah. think he could be a decent uh, a decent fighter. Well, I mean, he he's, like, as a, you know, as a YouTuber, and, you know, I've heard about the stuff he does. You know, he he runs scams for these kids and they use their parents' credit card and they, you know, they buy hundreds of dollars worth of just nothing. Um, he's just not a good, like... No, he sounds he, like he's, a douche. Yeah, he's just like, like a total dick just all the time. And so, like, me and my buddies, we were all like, I, I want to see this guy get pummeled. And he only had one fight under his belt. And that was against another YouTuber, wasn't it? So it wasn't even... Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure if he even won. 
I think he did. He was 1-0, I guess. But a lot of the boxers were, like, all pissed off that he was considered an amateur fighter. That like, this is, like, disrespectful to actual amateur fighters because he fought one fight, and it was against another YouTuber. But, I mean, hey, we'll see. I don't know. I Well, it rubbed me the wrong way. I already, like, didn't believe in the coronavirus. And he was that was, like, the COVID d- parties. And, that like, was the day before or something like that. Really? Yeah, Jesus I think because I saw it, like, on the, the thing the day before. Well, you know, he was, you know, I was reading about it. And, well, he got a, he got a you know, he's had trouble before. He he had the FBI like raid his house for illegal weapons, and he um, you know, like I said, he scams his fans. He's trying, and after the fight, he's like, "I'm gonna expand my movie or my music career." And I'm not sure if you've heard like he had the song like "Every Day, Bro," just like terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible music. <laughs> and so the day after the fight, I woke up and I'm like, "I want to rewatch this." Because that came out of nowhere for me when Nate Robinson, you know, just completely face planted on the ground. Um, and he had posted the whole fight, but he puts his own just like shitty music over it. Just like terrible music. And I'm like, I can't even watch this. But he's like, that was that was very, very surprising. I think that's definitely the thing most people are talking about. You know, Barstool. Was- I agree with that, yeah. I actually was not surprised. I would have been more surprised because like Nate Robinson's a lot smaller than it. Like Jake Paul's a pretty big dude yeah and he already fought before so i wasn't necessarily surprised with the result uh like of him winning just i guess the way it happened was a little bit like wow that was uh yeah i think jake paul they said was six one and nate robinson's five nine yeah. and then nate nate robinson's also older but he, he's still an athletic guy well he when he when he would fight he was he was running at him like head first as yeah. well well he he didn't have his hands up there was no defense there oh yeah what, whatsoever which is a problem but I you know Tariq Cohen for the Bears is all disappointed. He said he set short people back <laughs> because you, of that fight. You see what Stephen Curry tweeted? No. I mean, like I like as Mitch said, like I'm not a big sports guy, but you know, when I need to be, I I will be. But you know, uh, Nate Robinson tweeted something like, uh, you know, this is gonna be a great fight. You know, I've been training. You know, I'm gonna kick his ass. And Stephen Curry he, he retweeted or something. And he's like, yeah, we're rooting for you. And then. Nate Robinson's like gonna be something you've never seen before, and then it was like five minutes after the knockout, it was Steph Curry. He's like, "Yeah, you were right." <laughs> yeah, no, that's that is, that is so embarrassing too. Because, that's like the worst way that yeah, yeah, because nobody likes Jake Paul. Like, I don't think people respect him anymore now. I think people just are like disappointed in Nate Robinson. Oh, I agree. It was kind of a lose-lose for Nate Robinson because if you beat him, people are going to be like, well, you're a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to beat him. And then if you lose like he did, that's like the worst possible scenario where, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty embarrassing, I guess, for him. On to the main event. And speaking of bad music, did you hear Mike Tyson's uh, <laughs> walk-up song? Oh, it was uh, about Tyson. him. Yeah, yeah. No, it was about him. Yeah. So, big thing from this, and it in a draw. I was pretty happy with the draw. I think Tyson, he won the fight, but I think it was a lot closer than everyone was saying. You're calling cap on that. Cap. I, go ahead, yes. So, when I when I was watching that with my dad especially, well, he pointed out first of what, what I think and what a lot of people have been saying is that the fight was definitely made uh, so that there would be a rematch, you know, at the end of the, after the, the, they, they declared it a draw, both of them said that they would want a rematch. So when I was watching that after the first round, you could already tell that Roy Jones Jr. was just pooped. He was so, t- 
like they they had a you know they had the camera next to the um his corner and there was no audience so you can hear everybody in the corners talking you can hear the announcers and you can hear the ref and he was just wheezing he sounded like darth vader just like (gasps) and that was at the end of the first round which was like what are they did like three minute rounds yeah i think it was eight two minute rounds i want to say yeah and it was and so the other thing too is uh you know you say that the way that roy jones jr was like hugging was strategy but in in looking back i was like this is way too much you know they were they were hugging probably eight nine seconds and when i went back and watched the jake paul fight the ref came up probably three to four seconds maximum to separate them. And you could hear the ref and he's like, come on, boys, we get a box. You're going to fight Jake, Jake, you're going to fight. You know, he was, he was pissed off about it. I think they were definitely making it so that like they, they were definitely letting it slide so that Mike Tyson would not just knock him out. I maybe, well, part of it is too. Of course he's going to be gassed. He's like a 51 year old. So both of them are going to be gassed. And I think that one was sanctioned more as like an exhibition. Now, clearly it wasn't. Well, yeah, well it wasn't. Tyson, exhibition. like yeah. I think was making a conceited effort not to hit him in the head. So I think if he oh, wanted yeah. to knock him out, he could have, cause he meant mostly body shots. But I was, what I was impressed with with Roy Jones, because he was clearly outmatched very early on. Yes. And I think what he was trying to do with the wrapping up, like you were saying, uh, was frustrate Tyson and to get him to make a mistake. And a lot of the times when he was doing it, he would get a couple shots in grappling-wise. And so what, I think it was one survival mode for him too. And it was I think it was definitely built in to like part of the strategy, just kind of leaning on him, getting frustrated. And I think that's why it ended up being a draw because of that. I think he's, he saved face because of that, because he should have been knocked out in like the sixth round. So I, I, I think he lasted Tyson... the distance. I was very impressed with how he kind of went about going through that. Now, did Tyson maybe take it easier on him? Maybe. But I think Tyson, I mean, Joe's still got a couple shots in there. Like, he had a couple decent shots. And there's a reason, like, the one judge uh, voted in his favor. It was like, it was, it was closer than everyone, I think, giving him credit for. I mean, so I, I guess I I kind of agree on some of those. But I think when they were hugging it was more of tyson doing the the body shots and when you when you go back and watch it if anything roy jones jr is like he's barely punching him he's just kind of pinning tyson's arms back and there's one point where the ref had to come up and say like you can't do that and also the thing i found funny was like snoop especially was great at announcing oh he was but like they they started and he's like this is like two drunk uncles fighting at the family of barbecue and for a while it kind of was and for a while it kind of wasn't but that being said, the announcers were like, dude, Roy Jones Jr. sucks. And then it was like before the end, they like started talking it up. It's kind of like what they so did. I think you are you are you implying that you think this thing was fixed? Like they knew ahead of time. Well, I'm implying going... that I, I'm implying that they knew that they were going to do a draw. And that's like nothing new. They've done that before. And it was an exhibition match. But the, you know how much money this thing brought in? Uh, it brought in a lot. I think it was a much better event than even I anticipated. Just oh, yeah. Because it's like, I know a lot of people legally streamed it. I bought it, um, kind of like a chump. But, um, you know, that was that was huge. And, you know, Weed Map sponsored it, and I had never heard of that. You know, that probably is so much business now. I thought, it, I'll be I'll be. I was, the stream quality was a lot higher than I thought. Even, like, on the paper, like, the, the product they put on was, like, pretty good. Because I thought it was going to be a lot, kind of like a low-budget, half-assed production. Because you, you, you're reading some of the sponsors, like you were saying, like Weed Maps. What was the other one? Well, they got, they got Nas to read that ad. Did they, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, 
They they put together a pretty big big event there. I, I Snoop Dogg was I think the big draw from it too. Oh I, yeah, he, he was he was really good. Well, he like announcing wise he was good when he did the when he was talking about Nick Robinson. He point out that Nick Robinson wasn't wearing bo- boxing shoes. He was like wearing Jordans, yeah with the basketball shoes, which yeah. is like you know that's also like I guess something you can consider because that's like a completely different style of footwear. I'd, yeah. I'm not sure how much difference. I mean, I've I, I do boxing sometimes. I never spar, but like I do it to work out. But you know, I don't think shoes make. I don't know how much of a difference it would make. You know, in the ring. But, I don't think it made that. I mean, unless it's like heavy or something. But I don't think it made that much of a difference for him. I just think he didn't know what he was doing in there. But yeah, well, but Snoop, like his commentary was hilarious. You know, he was singing the 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 hymns when Nate Robinson got knocked down, but then his perform they got all of these big people to perform. I mean, I thought most of them were kind of trash, but Snoop Dogg was great. Snoop, <laughs> Snoop was, was good. Great. Snoop I didn't. Back. I never even realized how much of his songs like I loved. He, yeah, I, I I I agree with that. I um, yeah, I I think what helped the whole event too, being on pay per view, is a lot of the guys could cuss, speak freely, oh, yeah, and they let yeah. Snoop do his thing. Yeah, and, like. Yeah, because they had, they had like two professional announcers. Like Sugar Ray Leonard does a lot of boxing commentary. Yeah, like the one with the the annoying white guy. He usually does a bunch of fights too. Uh, and they just kind of let it like you know they they weren't they're like hey you do your thing. We don't I, care I, if it's professional or not. So I think that definitely helped their production value. Yeah, no, I I definitely I definitely think it was I think it was really well put together. And you know you didn't have an audience, but I still think it worked pretty well. Yeah. And you know my dad, I remember like was Khalifa goes up. My dad's like, did he just say the N word? But yeah, I mean, it was kind of real. Um, just being everybody being able to do what they wanted, and then, but yeah, I I do I you know honestly I think most people aren't talking about Tyson or Roy Jones Jr. I think it's kind of like people were like, yeah, you know, they weren't gaming for the heads. They were trying to taking it easy. That being said, when Tyson hit, he was moving. He when he did he did there was one body shot I saw and he like hit. Roy Jones Jr. in the side, like under the ribs, and he just slammed him. It his punches, he was going for some like hard punches. Like it's not like he was half-assing the punches. He just didn't throw as many at the head as I think. I, I agree with you. He had some power behind it. I thought he was in really good shape or condi- conditioning yeah. wise. He was in excellent condition considering well, his fifty-one. So I thought he, I was enjoy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the well, fight. I thought it was a good product. Yeah, I mean he was he was fifty-four because he's older than Roy, Roy Jones, Jones Jr. Yeah. And then he, they said he lost 100 pounds. And I, I had looked up his weight a couple days before because I was in an argument with uh, mutual friend Aiden Conklin um, about uh, him fighting Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson in his prime, so that was like 86, he was 220.6 pounds. And in this fight, he was 220.4. And he was he was saying he's in best shape of his life. Well, I heard he ballooned up. He lost like a hundred pounds, I think, yeah. before this fight. He he ballooned up pretty big. Well, I think I think the other difference too with his, with Mike Tyson's fighting is he's definitely a different person. You know, he smokes yeah. a lot of weed. He said he was high during the during the fight, but he also, um, you know, he he's made an effort to change who he was. I don't know if you you've ever watched his yeah. podcast, but he is like a definitely a much calmer person. Oh, for sure. But, you know, which was, people were like, ah, like, I don't know how well he's going to fight if he's not like that. Um, but, you know, he said multiple times he doesn't want to go back into boxing because it reminds him of his old self. Right. Apparently, my mom had him on an airplane. She's a flight attendant. Mike really? Tyson was on one of their airplanes going from Chicago to uh, Vegas. She said, hey, really nice guy, which was yeah. like, surprising. Because, like, a lot of these celebrities, you know, they either don't want to be bothered, mm-hmm. they're really needy. 
He's a really nice guy, but he kind of was like nervous about flying, which I also thought was kind of interesting yeah. because like you know he goes goes around. But um, there you go. I mean, he yeah, and I think I think regardless of that, he's a very you know I've seen some interviews with him. I've listened to his podcast, and he's you know especially now he's kind of ditched that old you know completely just nuts personality where he's like i don't talk to women unless i fornicate with them and he's like are you talking out of turn stuff like that and he definitely has changed and i think you know regardless he was still you know he was still kicking he you know he said that you know he's tried to distance himself he says he watches old videos of himself like old interviews and old old fights and he's like i, I don't even recognize who recognize he who he was and you know, like I said, he said he doesn't want to return to boxing because that's a reminder of himself. But he also he's also said that boxing is, you know, it's a life for people who have nothing. Because, you know, a lot of times people get into boxing and they come from trouble, troubled childhoods or troubled lives. And that's all they got. They dedicate their life to the fight. Um, that's actually an excellent point you bring up, because I think it was Sugar Ray Leonard that said this, something really similar. Uh, it was it, it was one of the analysts. But, like, boxing's not, like, a sport. It's, like, a lifestyle. You can't yeah. just play boxing. Like, if you're yeah. going to do it, you have to go all in. And I think that's partly what Nate Robinson's downfall was. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck. I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, yeah. you have to be dedicated to the craft. And it's not an easy life to do. And I think that's why you see, like you said, a lot of these people from poverty or whatever coming up doing it because it's, like, one of the few options. Yeah. Yeah. Punched in the face. That's not necessarily fun i suppose yeah and like it, that's like totally a thing if you're on the streets like as a kid it's like you know kids are gonna fight you i remember mike tyson he, he he talked about like how he got into boxing he would raise pigeons and like some kid was being an asshole and like his bully and he grabbed one of the pigeons and snapped its neck and like mike tyson just like pummeled him like beat the shit out of him and that was his first fight and well, the other thing, too, with boxing, like you said, how it's not really a sport and it's a lifestyle. That's like something, especially with pay-per-view and the popularity of this, there's no – it's kind of like no rules. It's kind of like you have to understand some of it, but it's it's probably the easiest thing to follow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of them's going to – yeah. You don't really need to know – and it's entertaining even if you don't know the people. It's just like, okay, this guy's beating up this guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, well, there's a reason boxing used to be America's number one sport. I mean, it's fallen a lot. I think this was, well, I think this event was great for the sport of boxing in general. But it's kind of taken a downturn. MMA is definitely taken over the fighting world. But no, I agree. It's like raw man on man. Like, I'm trying to beat you up. And it's like the easy, you're right. It's a very easy sport to understand. So I think, yeah, no, I think it's. Excellent point. Any final thoughts on the event fight in general? You think there's you're convinced it's going to be a rematch? I mean, both of them said there would be, there would be, and I, I don't know why. You know, Tyson just kind of like changed his opinion all of a sudden. Like it was kind of like less than a year ago, he said that about you know how he felt about boxing. It's, it's probably so he can make money, and you know he is a rich guy. He doesn't need the money, um, but I think he's, I think he said he's doing it for philanthropy or something. Yeah. And I think it was definitely like that, especially if you look like, like I said, the ref was being easy on him. They weren't aiming for the head. I don't think, I think if they, I think if they just let him go wild, Tyson would have kicked his ass. And also I think even with the, res, like how restrained they were, or like reserved, I think Tyson was still, you know, he was, he was, I mean, I have never really, you know, I'm not that age. I could see him like back in the day, but he was still great. You know, there's moments in that fight. There's one, I think it was like the 
mid middle round. I think it was like the fourth round. That Tyson the bell rang, and Jones like punched it, and like Tyson threw like a really late shot. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh shit, we're getting the old Tyson back. He's throwing cheap shots, and it's like it like you almost like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. Oh sorry, man, sorry, man. Yeah. He comes up to him, he's like quickly corrected the situation. But I think if yeah, if he if he flipped on his killer instinct mode, I he he could have ended that fight sooner. But I think I, that being said, I still think uh, Jones did a good job of staying alive throughout the course of the fight, and I guess that's what set up potential rematch hopefully i would like to see that i yeah i've i'd like to watch a non-exhibition match i guess i'd like to see jake paul fight conor mcgregor and then get smoked that's what i really well, want. i think that'd be phenomenal uh logan paul's older brother thinks he can take on floyd mayweather and i'm like i don't understand why these professional boxers are even giving someone as dumb or someone as irrelevant to them as like logan paul or jake paul but I'm like I've definitely since the McGregor Mayweather fight I've gotten more into it and try to watch it. So yeah, no, this was a very fun event, my opinion. Watch it with my dad. Good night. There you have it. That's Michael Young. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. This week, do you want to plug your? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I could... shameless plug. Shame... Go for it. Shameless plug. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I think it's uh, shoot. I mean, I don't really. I use Twitter sometimes. I kind of do some cold takes or, uh, yeah, pretty cold takes, I would say. Uh, my username is MDYoung197. You can follow me on Instagram at michael.d.young. Um, but, yeah, thank you for having me on, finally. I'm not I'm not big into sports, but this is something I felt like I could talk about. Yeah, we we were hesitant. I was hesitant anyway because the first time he was on on accident, we and Marshall were in the middle of an argument about football or it was about basketball or, or hockey, hockey, which one's better to watch live. And Mike took uh, Marshall's side, so you know on the wrong side of that argument. But you did a well, you did a good job for uh, for yourself. I think you sounded like you knew what you were talking about. You Thank know, these you. People fooled. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Michael for showing up on the podcast this week uh, and uh, bringing his insight uh, there. He's right. We list, I was listening to Jake Paul's music between the break. It is pretty It's pretty bad. If you uh, have not heard it, you're not missing much. Um, anyway, we got some exciting news. We got our first ad read on the podcast here for a while. This is the first one since Ted Wick heating and cooling. But if you are a sports fan like myself, maybe you saw – Patrick Mahomes' performance this weekend, you're like, hey, I want to get a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Or I know a friend that would want a jersey to wear. Or you want a Tim Anderson jersey because he's a king of swag. Or hey, maybe you even want a Derrick Henry jersey because he's going to win MVP. Like I told you, he should win MVP. Like I said so. You're like, that Mitch is a smart guy. I want to wear his jersey. And if you also want to support the podcast, check out Fanatics. If you go to Fanatic, you go to our uh, Twitter page, at uh, Dorm Room Dispute. Uh, we have a special link that you can click on that is on our page. We'll have it pinned. It'll be one of our pinned tweets. Uh, and if you use that link, any purchase over $100, they're going to kick uh, some money to uh, the podcast. So you're going to be supporting us. We kind of got a partnership with Fanatics and the Unhinged Network. So really any uh, any of the podcasts you listen to on Unhinged and you want to support us, again, there's a lot of great content on there. We would really appreciate it. So that's at Dorm, uh, dorm Room Dispute. You go there. You click the Fanatics link, uh, you buy anything, you buy a holiday gift, uh, you you get some Christmas shopping done, and support the podcast as well. So definitely check them out.
More big news. Forgot to mention, LeBron James signs a two-year, $85 million contract extension with the Lakers. This is huge because, I mean, Le- LeBron's always been kind of a uh, mogul when it comes to being in the NFA, NBA. He's not afraid to leave, jump city to city, do his best for him. Lakers, I think, have had hit a slam dunk this offseason uh, with all of the moves they have made. Dennis Schroeder, great pickup. Uh, Gasol, a really nice addition. Montrez Harold, another guy that can play off the bench for him. I think the depth they've gotten and to be able to lock up LeBron, LeBron for another uh, two years and not have to worry about him leaving anywhere, I think it takes away a lot of the uncertainty with this team. And uh, it shows me that they're pushing their chips all in. They're going to try and repeat this thing. And I really like their odds. I think this is the best team right now in the NBA. I think they'd beat Brooklyn, but they got more depth. And I definitely think they could beat the Clippers. Uh, no doubt in my mind, actually, especially if the, to get Anthony Davis uh, back, which I'm sure they will be able to do. So good signing for the Lakers. It is crit. It not only is December Christmas month, it's uh, NBA month. The uh, NBA starting up pretty soon, so uh, put that on your calendars. I'm excited for this upcoming season. Uh, Chicago Bulls uh, sound excited too. Well, Zach Levine, I don't know if you listen to the media sessions. Probably not, because why would you listen to the Bulls media sessions? They're kind of a hot mess, but. It's going to be another exciting team we have in Chicago as well. Finally today, uh, non-tender is coming up for the MLB. So some interesting decisions to monitor. Nothing's come out yet. But for the Cubs and White Sox, the two teams in Chicago here, I'm going to be interested to see what they do. I know for the White Sox, the two guys I'm looking at is Carlos Rodon and Nomar Mazzara. Nomar Mazzara, obviously, we traded, they traded for him for Steel Walker, who is a highly touted prospect last season. Uh, and hopes Nomar Mazzara, he came in, he's a 24-year-old, been with the Rangers for a while, kind of underperformed. Uh, he had some power. He had a couple seasons where he hit 20 homers, so the White Sox were hoping to uh, unlock some untapped potential. And it, quite frankly, it didn't work. He had a single homer in a abysmal batting average in the low uh, 200s. Uh, he started to heat up there the playoffs, but it was a little bit too little too late. So we'll see if they cut the cord with him, try and free up some payroll for George Springer. So if they get rid of Mazzara and they uh, they, they kind of they do not pick him up, uh, give him an arbitration, uh, come to a deal there, I think that's a good sign. The White Sox are going to get George Springer. So I keep, keep an eye out for that. The other guy I'm looking at is Carlos Rodon. White Sox have been giving him plenty of opportunities over the years. He's been very injury prone. Uh, really disappointing last year, only pitched eight games, once again got hurt. So that's another guy I'm curious to see if they cut ties with him. For the Cubs, there's two more big star players. Uh, Chris Bryant is the obvious one to look at. What are they going to do with him? Contract year coming up. Do they trade him? Do they keep him? I'll be honest, I think if I'm the Cubs right now, his trade value isn't that high. I mean, I'm sure you could get something for him, just because he's a former MVP, former All-Star but because of the injury problems and his his performance last year, you still got some talent on that roster. I would push all my chips in the middle and say I'm gonna I'm gonna win all in one last run. So that's what I would do if I was Jed. Obviously, he's got some big decisions to make. Uh, you don't want to see Chris Bryant walk for nothing. Uh, so, but I think you got Chris Bryant. You still got Javi Baez. You Darvish is one of the best pitchers in the NL last year. I'm saying why not why not go all in. Uh, take one more chance with it. The one guy I think I would get off the books is Kyle Schwarber. I'd just see if I could find a way to deal him. I think he should be the one of the first to go. His MO is he hits a lot of home runs. He doesn't do a whole lot much else. Uh, he doesn't hit for average. 
defense is, eh. I mean, by analytically, he's a good defender, but the eye test, if you watch him, you can tell he's not. He doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. I mean, he didn't hit a whole lot of home runs last year. He had an abysmal average. So I think the Cubs should cut ties with him. That'll be an interesting development to watch. That is all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to check out the Fanatics link. Follow us on Twitter. And we'll have another free money coming this Friday. We had a three and two week overall. A couple bad beats here and there. Uh, kick return against the Giants really hurt. But we're going to get back. Uh, keep the winning ways going. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.